For more information on the Cabaret Theater and how you can help, please stay after the show. In a world of constant change, there are some things that do not change. They remain constant, and the most constant of all is love. In fact, in this country, we have set aside a day, St. Valentine's Day, specifically to express our love to romantic partners, family members, and close friends. While no one has ever been able to define this universal emotion, or properly define it, we should say, we continue to celebrate it whenever we can. The closest human beings have come to defining love is through poetry. Please enjoy this selection of classic love poetry spanning 16 centuries, from 600 BC to 1920. We begin with a poem from ancient Greece, written by Sappho of Lesbos, circa 600 BC. That man seems to me to be equal to the gods, who is sitting opposite you and hears you nearby, speaking sweetly and laughing delightfully, which indeed makes my heart flutter in my breast. For when I look at you, even for a short time, it is no longer possible for me to speak. But it is as if my tongue is broken, and immediately a subtle fire has run over my skin. I cannot see anything with my eyes, and my ears are buzzing. A cold sweat comes over me, trembling, seizes me all over. I am paler than grass, and I seem nearly to have died. The spirit of love is no less passionate 500 years later in ancient Rome when Gaius Valerius Catullus begs for kisses from his beloved, circa 64 BC. Let us live, my sweet, and let us love. Forget the worthless rumors of old wags. The sun is able to set and rise again. But for us, our brief light will set only once, and then our night will be an endless sleeping. So, give me a thousand kisses, and a hundred more, and then another thousand, and a second hundred, and still another thousand, and another hundred, so many that the old wags won't be able to count them, and thus become jealous of our love. Leaping forward twelve hundred years, the flame of love still burns brightly, as expressed by the ancient Persian mystic Rumi around 1237 AD in his poem, Where Love Is. A damsel said to her lover, O oh, fond youth, you have visited many cities in your travels. Which of those cities seems most delightful to you? He made answer, The city wherein my love dwells, in whatever nook my queen alights, though it be as the eye of a needle, tis a wide plain. Wherever her beautiful face shines as a moon, though it be at the bottom of a well, tis paradise. With thee, my love, hell itself were heaven. With thee, a prison would be a rose garden. With thee, hell would be a mansion of delight. Without thee, lilies and roses would be as flames of fire. And shortly afterwards... In approximately 1258 A.D., another Persian, Omar Khayyam, expresses the same sentiment. Here, with a loaf of bread beneath the bough, a flask of wine, a book of verse, and thou beside me, singing in the wilderness, and wilderness 
is paradise enow. From east to west, love remains constant. Cultures do not affect it, nor do languages. At the height of the Italian Renaissance, in approximately 1334, Francesco Petrarch expresses his love in both Italian and Latin. Blessed be the day and the month and the year and the season and the time and the hour and the moment and the beautiful country and the place where I was joined to the two beautiful eyes that abound me. And blessed be the first sweet suffering that I felt in being conjoined with love and the bow and the shafts which I was pierced and the wounds that run to the depths of my heart. Blessed be all those verses I scattered, calling out the name of my lady, and the sighs and the tears and the passion, and blessed be all the sheets where I acquire fame, and my thoughts that are only of her, that no one else has part of. Though the Renaissance took a bit of time to cross the channel into England, the sentiments of love were no less ardent. When Edmund Spencer wrote, One day I wrote her name, in early modern English, around 1582, he confirms that poetry gives eternal life to love. One day I wrote her name upon the strand, but came the ways and washed it away. Again I wrote it with a second hand, but came the tide, and made my pains his prey. Vain man, that dost in vain essay, a mortal thing, so to immortalize. For I myself shall like to this decay, and eke my name be wiped out likewise. Not so, quote I. Let baser things devise, to die in dust, but you shall live by fame. My verse, your virtues, rare shall eternize, and in the heavens write your glorious name, where, when as death shall all the world subdue, our love shall live, and later life renew. Of course, one cannot come to the English Renaissance without mentioning the bard, William Shakespeare. It is somewhere around 1600 that he penned what may well be the most famous sonnet ever written in the English language. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou art more lovely and more temperate. Rough winds do shake the darling buds of May, and summer's lease hath all too short a date. Sometime too hot the eye of heaven shines, and often is his gold complexion dimmed. And every fair from fair sometime declines, by chance or nature's changing course untrimmed. But thy eternal summer shall not fade, nor lose possession of that fair thou outst, nor shall death brag that wanderest in his shade, when in eternal lines to time thou growest. So long as men can breathe or eyes can see, so long lives this, and this gives life to thee. In looking back, it's plain to see that nothing stops the progress of love poetry, not mountains, nor deep valleys, not rivers, nor lakes, or even the great ocean. It was in 1647 when a Puritan woman living in the Massachusetts Bay Colony in the New World of America, writes a poem. It is a time when women are not permitted such activity, 
But that did not stop Anne Bradstreet, America's first published poet, from writing many, many poems, including To My Dear and Loving Husband. If ever two were one, then surely we. If ever man were loved by wife, then thee. If ever wife was happy in a man, compare with me, ye women, if you can. I prize thy love more than whole mines of gold, or all the riches that the East doth hold. My love is such that rivers cannot quench, nor aught but love from thee give recompense. Thy love is such I can no way repay. The heavens reward thee manifold, I pray. Then while we live in love, let's so persevere that when we live no more, we may live ever. It was in about 1820 that Lord George Byron was at the height of his romantic powers. He stood with Keats and Shelley as the trio of romanticism. His tribute to the woman he loves remains a classic in poetic literature. She walks in beauty like the night. She walks in beauty like the night of cloudless climes and starry skies. And all that's best of dark and bright meet in her aspect and her eyes. Thus mellowed to that tender light which heaven to gaudy day denies, one shade the more, one ray the less, had half impaired the nameless grace which waves in every raven tress, or softly lightens o'er her face. Where thoughts serenely sweet express how pure, how dear their dwelling place, and on that cheek and o'er that brow so soft, so calm, yet eloquent, the smiles that win, the tints that glow, but tell of days in goodness spent, a mind at peace with all below, a heart whose love is innocent. As we have seen, great poems about love are not confined to male writers. Perhaps one of the most memorable of all love poems was penned not by the poet Robert Browning, but by his wife, Elizabeth Barrett Browning. How do I love thee? How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. I love thee to the depth and breadth and height my soul can reach when feeling out of sight for the ends of being and ideal grace. I love thee to the level of every day's most quiet need by sun and candlelight. I love thee freely as men strive for right. I love thee purely as they turn from praise. I love thee with the passion put to use in my old griefs and with my childhood's faith. I love thee with a love I seemed to lose with my lost saints. I love thee with the breath, smiles, tears of all my life, and if God choose, I shall but love thee better after death. Across the ocean in Baltimore, Maryland, the tortured Edgar Allan Poe was penning another immortal poem to his beloved and lost love, Annabel Lee. 
It was many and many a year ago, in a kingdom by the sea, that a maiden there lived, whom you may know, by the name of Annabel Lee. And this maiden, she lived with no other thought than to love and be loved by me. I was a child, and she was a child in this kingdom by the sea, but we loved with a love that was more than love, I and my Annabel Lee, with a love that the winged seraphs of heaven coveted her and me. And this was the reason that, long ago in this kingdom by the sea, a wind blew out of a cloud, chilling my beautiful Annabel Lee, so that her high-born kinsmen came and bore her away from me to shut her up in a sepulchre in this kingdom by the sea. The angels, not half so happy in heaven, went envying her and me. Yes, that was the reason, as all men know, in this kingdom by the sea, that the wind came out of the cloud by night, chilling and killing my Annabel Lee. But our love, it was stronger by far than the love of those who were older than we, of many far wiser than we, and neither the angels in heaven above nor the demons down under the sea can ever dissever my soul from the soul of the beautiful Annabel Lee. For the moon never beams without bringing me dreams of the beautiful Annabel Lee. And the stars never rise, but I feel the bright eyes of the beautiful Annabel Lee. And so, all the night tide, I lie down by the side of my darling, my darling, my life, and my bride in her sepulchre there by the sea, in her tomb by the sounding sea. And as Poe was wrestling with his love life in Baltimore, in 1861, Emily Dickinson was writing her quiet love poems in Amherst, Massachusetts. She loved from afar, it is true, but loved passionately nonetheless, and no poem expresses this more than her Wild, Wild Nights. Wild Nights, Wild Nights, Where I with thee wild nights should be are luxury. Feudal the winds to a heart and port, Done with the compass, done with the chart. Rowing in Eden, ah, the sea, Might I but more tonight in thee. And so love poetry enters into the 20th century. Carl Sandburg, known mostly for his poems that celebrate the brawny strength of Chicago in the Midwest, reveals that every poet also knows the other side of life, the love side. This poem demonstrates his heartfelt desire to let love go on. Let it go on. Let the love of this hour be poured out till all the answers are made, the last dollar spent, and the last blood gone. 
Time runs with an axe and a hammer. Time slides down the hallways with a pass key and a master key, and time gets by. Time wins. Let the love of this hour go on. Let all the oaths and children and people of this love be clean as a washed stone under a waterfall in the sun. Time is a young man with ball-player legs. Time runs a winning race against life and the clocks. Time tickles with rust and spots. Let love go on. The heartbeats are measured out with a measuring glass, so many a piece to gamble with, to use and spend and reckon. Let love go on. The 20th century also saw the rise of many more female poets. Ella Wheeler Wilcox was an American poet who in her book of poetry entitled Poems of Passion and Solitude coined a sentence that all of us have heard at one time or another. Laugh and the world laughs with you. Weep and you weep alone. This is her poem, I Love You. I love your lips when they're wet with wine and red with a wild desire. I love your eyes when the love light lies, lit with a passionate fire. I love your arms when the warm white flesh touches mine in a fond embrace. I love your hair when the strands enmesh, your kisses against my face. Not for me the cold, calm kiss of a virgin's bloodless love. Not for me the saint's white bliss nor the heart of a spotless dove. But give me the love that so freely gives and laughs at the whole world's blame. With your body so young and warm in my arms, it sets my poor heart aflame. So kiss me sweet with your warm, wet mouth, still fragrant with ruby wine. And say with a fervor born of the South that your body and soul are mine. Clasp me close in your warm young arms while the pale stars shine above. And we'll live our whole young lives away in the joys of a living love. As the women of the world began to assert themselves as equals to their male counterparts in the early 20th century, the love poetry reflects the change. Sarah Teasdale's poem, I Am Not Yours, demonstrates the dilemma of wanting to be free and equal while still wanting to be loved as she had been taught women should be loved. I am not yours, not lost in you, not lost although I long to be lost as a candle lit at noon, lost as a snowflake in the sea. You love me, and I find you still a spirit, beautiful and bright. Yet I am I, who long to be lost as a light is lost in light. Oh, plunge me deep in love, Put out my senses, leave me deaf 
and blind, swept by the tempest of your love, a taper in a rushing wind. And finally, it must be said that amid all of the passion of youthful love, love must stand the test of time, and no poet says that better than William Butler Yeats. Around 1925, he wrote the poem, When You Are Old. When you are old and gray and full of sleep and nodding by the fire, take down this book and slowly read and dream of the soft look your eyes had once and of their shadows deep. How many loved your moments of glad grace and loved your beauty with love false or true. But one man loved the pilgrim soul in you and loved the sorrows of your changing face. And bending down beside the glowing bars, murmur a little sadly how love fled. And paced upon the mountains overhead and hid his face amid a crowd of stars. With love ever staring down on us from a crowd of stars, we come to the end of our selection of some of the finest love poetry spanning 16 centuries. The list is far from complete, but we hope that what we have chosen will make your personal celebration of love even brighter than it already is. Let us end with a wonderful quotation from Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, the author of The Little Prince. Life has taught us that love does not consist of gazing at each other, but in looking outward together in the same direction. May you and all whom you have loved always be looking outward together in the same direction. Until our next episode, be well. Selections for this episode were made by John J. Caracella. Narration written by John J. Caracella. Our readers in order of appearance were Nicole Paluzzi, Tom Sarp, Rachel Nicely, John J. Caracella, Peggy Bryan, and Cindy Bultzer. Producers John J. Caracella and Jonathan Horanic. Executive producer Keith Bodela. The Cabaret Theater is a nonprofit theater organization operating in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. Our mission is to revitalize the performing arts in Latrobe and our region. You can find more information about the Cabaret Theater at thecabarettheater.com or on Facebook. If you enjoyed listening to this production, please share and subscribe for future episodes. If you are able to, you can also donate via PayPal. There is a link in the show notes. Thank you.